OTB Rugby. Quinny is going at a million miles an hour. And bearing in mind, I didn't pass the ball that often. He was expecting the pass. He got the pass and scores. And in scoring, dislocates his shoulder. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Off the ball, daily. Now you're welcome back. So there is a sense that there is a new sheriff in town, 20 years of age, youngest Wimbledon winner since Boris Becker. Carlos Alcaraz beat Novak Djokovic 1-6, 7-6, 6-1, 3-6 and then 6-4 and charmed everyone, I think it's fair to say as well, in his post-match interview. Very popular winner. Very happy to say a popular guest on the show is Luke Jensen. He is with us. Hello. Good to talk to you again. What's going on? Big big Joe, that's some serious head salad you got going there. I'm very jealous. That is some good hair. That's a, that's a head of hair. Oh, listen. Fantastic. I'm thinning. I got, there's a sunroof developing. I'll enjoy it while I have it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> got to do it. Got to keep it. Hey, this was something, wasn't it? The, I mean, in this neck of the woods, the BBC audience uh, hit 11.3 million, throwing another 4 million on the player. I think, you know, with Wimbledon finals, word gets around, not least in social media. This is a good one. And and everybody was like rushing to their screens because we know how good tennis can be when it's really good. When you have some major royals there, yeah, James Bond, Brad Pitt, you know, it's a big deal. Um, remember, the question was over the last couple of years is who is going to take over for Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray? And we got a king. We got a king in the making he won his first U.S. Open at 19 years old. We saw a really big match at the French, but he got tight. He got cramps, and he lost to Djokovic in the semis of the French. But, boy, he wins Queens, and that's always an indicator, right? We've seen the best of the best. When they win the Queens Club event on grass, that usually is kind of like the future Wimbledon champion. I didn't think it was going to be this year. I thought it was... I thought it was still Djokovic at, at the top of his game. We saw it early in the first set, winning 6-1. But eventually the kid, right? This kid's like a drone. He's from outer space. He's a Terminator. He hit 66 winners to Djokovic's 32. The errors are, were both in the 40s, so that wasn't a factor. But the offense from the Terminator was just massive. Wow, that's an amazing stat. 66 winners to Djokovic's 32. Yeah, and Djokovic isn't a real big offensive-minded guy as far as pace, but he he will kind of place you off the court. He'll hit lots of winners with great placement, patience, wait for his right shot. But clearly as the match went on, it was a classic match, four hours, 42 minutes, what you want to see in a Wimbledon final, going the distance, and some drama. You, you saw Djokovic break a racket on the net post, and so I don't know if he loses his Wimbledon membership because of this, but... To see just all you want to see in a major final, especially at Wimbledon, and the future of the game uh, being here and now, it's wonderful to see Alcaraz just being a – like. A, I just think he's a terminator that the rest of the game has to adapt to. One of the um, curiosities, I suppose, of tennis is that most tennis players do not grow up on grass courts, and yep. Alcaraz is no exception. And this was just his fourth ever event on grass. And he won a Queens in his third, as you mentioned, and now he wins Wimbledon against the king of the centre court. I mean, it's kind of extraordinary to get your head around the fact that the last time Djokovic was beaten on centre court was Andy Murray back in 2013. So you're not just beating anybody out there. It wasn't a case of Djokovic was injured and you stepped into the vacuum. Uh, To do that on grass in his fourth event, 
That is uh, super impressive. Even, even Djokovic joked afterwards in the post-match interviews that he kind of thought grass wouldn't be an issue for another couple of years yet. He's like, I knew, and look, I know you're trouble elsewhere, but I thought I had you here. <laughs> well, I, I just think he has that growth mindset, Alcaraz. Uh, he's had to, he's had a front row seat being a Spaniard to watch Nadal grow from a clay court player to an exceptional all court player, and he's won some Wimbledon titles too. So it, he saw a pathway what is possible. And to have Nadal on speed dial, to have your coach Juan Carlos Ferrero, who's one of French, one of the top players in the world in his day. Um, and be able to transition because Juan Carlos got to the finals of the U.S. Open. So you got a lot of people in your camp on speed dial to tell you how to transition your clay court game, a slower court game, to a fast court game. To me, the thing that really jumped out to me is his composure. You know, he lost the first set. He didn't panic. He was down a set point to go down two sets to love in the tiebreaker in the second set. Didn't panic, and he pulled that out. Then he gets on a run. Then no, they're just trading blows back and forth. And you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of people were saying, you know, who are you going to take in this in this final? And I was like, how do you go against Djokovic, who hasn't lost on this court in 10 years? He hasn't lost at Wimbledon in five. The last time he lost was on court one to Sam Query. Hmm. Um, it was just phenomenal. It, it, to me, you just start to see how the game is evolving with speed, power, mental toughness. And this kid really has every punch. And now it's up to the rest of the field, the yes, the rest of the young guys. How are you going to adapt your game mentally, tactically, and physically to battle that? And, of course, Djokovic isn't going away. Like, he's not riding off to the sunset. He's going to re-gear up. He's going to gear up in every aspect and go, how do I beat Terminator? Yes. You mentioned their mental toughness. And I think that's an area with Alcaraz worth pausing on and, and us teasing out for a minute because at the French Open in that semi-final which again was billed as a potential changing of the guard Alcaraz didn't really show up and that was uh, publicly at least that was put down to body cramps and fatigue caused mm-hmm. by the nerves he felt that occasion and, and, and body cramps ensued and he didn't perform so that's really interesting because we're not therefore talking about somebody who's too young and stupid to know where he is and the significance of it. He's not young and fearless, uh, clearly. And and what's so impressive is, like, we're only talking a month later. There's every chance in, 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 like, mere mortals, that semi-final experience would leave scar tissue. And we're talking Centre Court and Wimbledon and the Spanish King there. And, you know, like, the whole world is watching him. And uh, he loses the first set 6-1. It's like, oh, my, this is like mortification. Now, at 20 years of age, that is mental toughness. All of that circling around. Yeah. That, that is super impressive, Luke. Yeah, he's, he's a special kid. Remember, he's the youngest number one in the world in the history of open tennis that started in 1968. So imagine all the greats that we've been watching come through Wimbledon and come through the game, and he's the youngest. And he still has room to improve. That's the scary part. He didn't serve a lot of aces. He didn't serve a lot of double. His, his serve is okay, but it's not a flamethrower. And, and he's a big kid. Like, he's big and strong. There's no reason, uh, if you look at his motion, that he can't serve bigger. But it's more of a mindset. You know, he grew up on a slow court where the serve isn't a factor. So when he starts playing more hard courts uh, and, of course, more Wimbledons and grass court seasons, he's going to start opening up more aces, more unreturnables. The forehand alone 
he hits 83% of his forehands are over 90 miles an hour. Now, that is massive. And so how do you defend against that? How do you play against that? It'll be very interesting, especially Djokovic, how he kind of gears up his game because he's a mad scientist. He's going to try to figure out a figure out a formula to battle that at the U.S. Open. And give me some context on that. So 83% of his forehands over 90 miles per hour. Is, yeah. is, what, what's, so, what's your average top 20 guy doing? Like 73, 74. You're not redlining. Most of the, you know, you look at like Djokovic, he's, He's like mid to high 80s, but most of the players from the ground are looking to put the ball in play and wait for an opportunity. Uh, um, Alcaraz is looking to create an opportunity every time he has a touch on the ball. So whether it's a forehand or backhand, he could absolutely hit a winner from any part of the court. And then you add his foot speed in, and he's got this brilliant um, drop shot, right? You see him use the drop shot a lot. So if he drop shots you and you don't hit a good reply to that, he may load up the cannon and aim right at you with a passing shot. So yeah. it, it's it's really something how it's evolved so fast, but he has a very good team around him, and he truly loves the sport. This isn't a guy that just kind of had a lot of talent, but he wants to do other stuff like an early Agassi and things. This guy wants to play tennis. He wants to be a great tennis player. He's got two in his pocket at 20. Mm. It'd be very interesting if he starts going on a run because he's proven he can win on all surfaces he hasn't won the French yet but that's just a matter of time because it's his favorite surface yeah there are times when you look at sports people and uh, you think to yourself geez I'd love to be in their body and just experience that for a moment I did look at Alcaraz and think when the whole uh, Brad Pitt included and bloody hell doesn't he look good uh, when the whole yeah. uh, the whole crowd went, oh, when he would play the unexpected drop shot. Yeah. And uh, to be yeah. in his body when he knows in the like the milliseconds before he's going to pull that one out, he disguises it so well. I mean, it's 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 joyous. And he did it at some kind of crucial moments as well. It wasn't just for the fun no, of it. No. There was a tie, time in the tiebreaker. I want to say it was five all. Five all, five four. It was deep in the second set tiebreaker. Remember, he's already down a set. If he loses his set, he goes down two sets to love to a guy who's seven and one in finals in Wimbledon. And so this is a critical moment. The confidence this guy shows to pull that shot out of his bag, not to mention it's not just having the ability to hit it, it's when you hit it. What I mean by that is your opponent has to be behind their baseline because they've got to cover some serious distance. You've got to be on or inside your baseline and he hit this very delicate forehand drop shot, ended up being a winner. And, you know, Djokovic has serious wheels and will close on that ball if you don't hit it just right. He ends up pulling it off. And you can see the the combination this kid has with the power, the mindset, and then the shot selection, when to play those drop shots. It's, it's really, I keep saying this, but it really goes to the rest of the field. What are you going to do about this? Mm. What truly are you going to do when you have to battle so many different tactics this guy throws at you? Okay, so this is um, the real deal. And when you talked about a serve there and it's a mindset thing to develop a flamethrower, I, I, I presume from like a technical point of view, that won't be years and years of uh, no. rigorous work. That that's a, He could develop some flame relatively quickly. Yeah, I mean, we saw like big second serves in the 120s on big points. He's a clutch player. To me, it's it's all situational. So when you're a big server, think, go back to Boris Becker, Goran Ivanisevic, all these guys, uh, Roger Federer, Pete Sampras, they knew and had the confidence 
when to throw the bomb, right? When to fire the missile. So you're down 1530. I'm going to go 135, 140, or it's 30, a, a big moment. You don't have to do it all the time. Serena Williams was outstanding with this, being able to wait for the right time to throw it out. You don't have to throw it every single time because you're out there for four hours plus sometimes, but it's just the mindset. When do I throw it? But he has such, such reliable ground strokes, what we call plus one. So it's serve and then plus the rest of your game. His plus one is so strong that he's relied on that forever. So it's just, like I said, he's a two-time major champion right now. He hasn't even won his favorite surface major yet. That's the French. And it's just like, as he grows, you know, he's going to adapt and he's going to do different things that we haven't even seen yet. But there's nothing technically wrong with his swing. It's when and how you throw the big bomb. Mm. I thought what was really interesting as well was, and it, it's to his credit, to be fair, how magnanimous Djokovic was afterwards and also how generous he was in his comments about Alcaraz. I mean, I, and I guess to be fair, that is the culture generally in tennis. They they are quite nice about each other. But uh, Djokovic, it was put to him that people are saying that Alcaraz's style is like a, a really nice mix of Djokovic, Federer and Nadal. And Djokovic said, I would agree with that. I think he's basically the best of all three worlds. I haven't played a player like him ever, to be honest. Roger and Rafa had their own strengths and weaknesses. Carlos is a very complete player. I mean, like... I'm sure he didn't mean it in that way, but like it, 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 it almost like read as, "Look, I'm done here. It's over." Like this, this, yeah, you yeah. know, th- geez, I, this is Terminator Two here, and and I'm I'm done, you know. And and look, I'm sure he'll come yeah. back again, but that's beyond effusive there. Yeah, and at that age, at Djokovic's age, in the mid, you know, mid thirties, I think he's past thirty five. Yeah, he's thirty six. He is thirty six. Yeah, thirty six, and he knows there's there's less opportunities in front of him than behind him, right? His, his glory days are over. Can he adapt any more than what he has? But it, it's true. It's what every player sees, what every expert in the industry sees from Alcaraz is, I just don't know how you beat the guy because he's very consistent, he's accurate, and then he just have, possesses all this potential with the power. Um, but guys will figure it out, right? You, you're on the tour, you watch him practice, you're looking for anything. And of course we want him to stay healthy because he could go on one of these runs and win over 20 majors. It's very possible. He's got the Olympics. He's got to navigate now fame and fortune uh, with people like Brad Pitt and James Bond and, and the Royals watching every tournament, every match he plays, he will be carrying the game. The women's side, they're still trying to figure it out. Is, is it spy tech? Is it who? Yeah. Everyone seems to win a major every every time whereas on the men's side Djokovic just says I've never seen anything like this and this is what we're going to see for the next 10 15 maybe 20 years yeah yeah and it was such like not to underestimate his US Open to be fair but akin to Becker akin to Federer beating Sampras it was an announcement it was an announcement on the big stage and and great players seem to have a habit of doing that for whatever reason um a question to ask you then I always remember um, oh it must be 15 years ago who knows with these guys but it was like a Time magazine were following around Uncle Tony uh, Rafa's coach yeah. at the time and at one stage they were sitting uh, the journalist was killing some time with Uncle Tony and uh, 
some big screen at, at a tournament came on and we were showing slow motion replays of Federer. And Tony said, that guy there is never going to get injured. And, you know, yeah. we, we need to get Rafa more like that. Uh, where is, yeah. and obviously that's easier said than done and so approved, although Nadal has done pretty well. Where is Alcaraz on the, his technique and his, and his athleticism and, and how that's going to impact on his body over the next, well, let's you'd say 16 years anyway. How does he look to your eye in terms of that spectrum? You know, the, uh, I think the biggest thing when you see Alcaraz is he feels the game differently. And I think you, the quote you had from Djokovic saying he's, he's got a little bit of every, of all of us and he incorporates it and he doesn't look like he's stressed, but we've noticed like he's had, he suffered from cramps um, in big moments that will iron out the more reps he gets um, on the big stage in those big moments and handling all the media requests, handling all the ticket requests, and all the sponsors, I mean, that that is a job and a half. But he, he does have all these guys on speed dial because they respect him so much. They respect he, the kid didn't come in saying, I'm here to take over, right? Yeah. I'm not here to take part. I'm here to take over. And I love that quote, but he's kind and he's gentle and he high fives everybody, whether you're, you know, uh, a big four player or you're a qualifier. Um, Alcaraz is very genuine and nice. And so the way he plays, in my opinion, he feels the game with a little bit of intensity of Nadal, but he floats a little bit around like Federer. There's no one in the history of the game that will ever play like Federer. He was just he was just different. He breathed differently, and he, he is always concentrating on being relaxed. And Nadal was intense, right? Nadal had to feel the game with his OCD and his bottles, and he's walking around, he's picking at his shorts and his hair, and yeah. I mean that was it was attritional. I to just the end. think. Yeah, and you know what? He, he That's why he had to take so much time off. You look at his career, there are gaps because he would get just physically worn down. Alcaraz is very efficient. He's taken a little bit from everybody, and he feels it um, a different way. The other thing I truly believe, he's extremely coachable. He's still a sponge. He still has this growth mindset, a life learner, all these phrases that you want to hear uh, when you're talking about a young talent, most talents like I made it, I made all this money, I'm really good. I don't, I've learned it all. I know it all. He doesn't. He has this mindset where I can get better, and that's what makes him dangerous. The upgrades, the Terminator, are common. There's another interesting aspect, I suppose, um, in that he's 20 years of age, and you mentioned Becker, who won very young, and Agassi, who was prodigy as well. And both those guys burnt out and lost interest. Becker retired very young. Agassi played longer, but I mean, fell out of love pretty dramatically with the game and didn't exactly dedicate himself to the game at times by his own admission. And what we, what, what's been so interesting about the big four, if you want to include Andy Murray in that as well, is dedication and longevity to a fault. Andy Murray should have retired several years ago. The other three are just off the charts. So... Uh, kind of interesting. Have they just laid out a new map and a new way of doing it? Or, uh, you know, it, Alcaraz maybe is susceptible to burnout and, and, you know, the whole world is about to genuflect before him and throw itself at him now, um, you know, at every turn. Uh, that, that's the imponderable. You know, who knows? Does he go the way of Becker and Agassi or is he is he very much? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be uh, vegan and be playing till I'm 45. <laughs> you know what? I 
I don't know about the nutritional spot. I remember being, uh, this was last year, Southfield Station. I was in a grocery store, and he wasn't making too many good nutritional choices okay. in his grocery shopping. <laughs> That's but, the, the benefit you know, of being 20. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I he could get there. I, You know, it's when you see those, you know, like the Tom Brady's in the United States, how they watch every every calorie that goes in their body. Djokovic does the same thing. It's the only way to do it if you want longevity. Um, I'm not as concerned right now with that as far as um, the him being able to last on the tour. The, the thing that concerns me is the burnout, it, and it's all the extra stuff. The tennis playing, he's got it down. He's got a great team around him. Um, does he get overwhelmed with the obligations of being the number one player in the world, the obligations of doing it to this level? Um so it's uh, – I, I think he'll be fine. He just has this smile. And Brad Gilbert, who's on our team at ESPN, yeah. he said something that was very um, important to me. He said, you know, the one intangible that, uh, that he, Alcaraz has over everybody else is that his smile during competition, during pressure. And he gets frustrated. He'll have a controlled burn. But for the most part, he just has this smile – that disarms everybody and draws everybody closer to him and the work he's doing on the tennis court. And Gilbert said that's a weapon of his. That's an intangible weapon. And if he can keep that smile through all the photo shoots and the TV commercials and every airport that he goes into signing autographs, because if you follow him on Instagram, he's like a big kid, right? Mm. He's a fan and he's taking selfies with everybody. Can he hang in there and still love the game like the big four love the game? Andy Murray's playing with a titanium hip. The dude loves the game. He went, the guy still, Andy Murray showed up at the Wimbledon final, not in the box, but to be a fan with Wimbledon champion Neil Skupski. That's a big, big win for him in Great Britain. So I think everybody respects him. And if Elkarez ever gets off a little bit, starts making movies or wants to, you know, record a record or something. I think there's enough good people around him to get him back to the tennis. But um, I think he has a shot to do something special. And you've got other guys around that are going to push him. You know, this kid Runa from um, Denmark, he's a beast. He's a he's a honey badger. He didn't care about anybody but kicking the kicking butt on the other side. So, And he had to go through uh, Runa to beat him. And, you know, there's a Christian Rude and – there's some young guys. We've got a couple Americans in there in Tiafo and Taylor Fritz that, you know, again, they're they're in the JV locker room. They're not as good as Alcaraz, yeah. but they're not gonna make it easy for Alcaraz. They're coming too. Yeah. Well, look, it's definitely been a trend in all sports. You mentioned Brady, the big four in tennis. You've got um the likes of Messi and Ronaldo. This twenty first mm-hmm. century prototype does seem to keep going and going and going more so than any other generation. I, I somehow suspect that will continue. Uh, final word on Djokovic then I mean to be fair to him at 6-1 up in, after the first he was on course for a calendar Grand Slam uh, I, 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 he seems too experienced for this to be like a kind of a psychological death knell and a oh my god I'm done and he goes rapidly downhill yeah I mean I I think he's going to come back and retool the Ferrari right he's going to bring it back into the shop and okay what do I got to do He's done it so many times before. Every time we think he's over, right? He doesn't take the vaccine, so he can't play the last two U.S. Opens. Now he can play the U.S. Open. He always plays great in Australia. He has all this drama around him, 
and he just seems to come out even a little better. So to me, he still loves to play. He has still things he wants to accomplish. The the trick, I think, honestly, it's not this year, is next year because the Olympics is right after Wimbledon next year, and that always throws a wrench into everybody's calendar. For those guys, I mean, I could see him not playing playing the uh, Olympics just because you go from the French Open to Wimbledon. That's a huge change with the surface. And then jump right back to play because they're doing it at Roland Garros. The tennis is going to be played at Roland Garros on red clay. So that that concerns me for a guy who's going to be 37. That's, that's the only thing. But as far as his love for the game, his love to prepare, he's got his family balanced out really well. He knows when to take breaks, um, and he still wants to play. He's like Andy Murray. He just wants to roll the balls out and compete. So I, I don't see him yeah. going away anytime soon. He's still right. He's just – he lost a five-setter. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're right there. Yeah, 36 years old, second longest final in Wimbledon history. And I dare say – he's one behind Margaret Court. I dare say he'll get to 24 and probably – uh, 25 and then it's over to you Alcaraz so an exciting time yep. for the men's game always good to talk to you Luke thank you so much Big Joe you're the best off the ball come on let's go <laughs> Luke Jensen thank you so much